us in them out. Now, can I tell you this? We get this privilege of doing that. We're going to celebrate them after this service, the 11 o'clock service. So I'm telling you, come ready, come to celebrate, come to laugh, come to cry. Just, just come. And I'll tell you what, man, it was, uh, I can't talk about it much or I'll start crying. So I, I can tell you that I'm so excited about what God's doing in their lives and what he's doing for their lives and what he'll do because of their lives. Amen? Gosh, we're blessed. Oh, yeah, but it's still hard. Hey, by the way, thank you so much for all of you who contributed to uh, my birthday doodah last week. It was awesome. Man, I got so many gift cards and gifts and all that. Polly called me uh, last week. I was shopping at Home Depot in Jesus' name. Yeah, there's almost, it's almost worse having money to spend at Home Depot when like, you're in there. She's like, she called me. She goes, you've been there for two hours. And I was like, you know, I think I could stay a little longer. Like, I could use, I could buy that. I could buy that. You know what I mean? It's crazy. So I ended up buying nothing. Because I'm a guy. I don't know what it is, man. But nevertheless, it was awesome. I just want to say thank you. Um, man, probably the best, the best birthday ever. I mean, it was really awesome. So thank you. And uh, amazing. Amen. Hey, uh, how many of you have ever prayed and asked God to do something on your behalf? Maybe it was to heal your friend or your loved one. Maybe it was to give you direction, or maybe it was to close the deal on that loan, or maybe that, that wayward child would come back. And you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed. You even prayed hard. You know, it gets, it gets big when you start to say, listen, I need you to pray hard. And you, you know what that means when you say you prayed hard, right? You prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and, and it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. Has that ever happened to you when you, you literally said, God, I just I believe this thing so strong, and you begin to pray and seek the heart of Jesus on it and believe that he said this, and God, she just needs to be healed, and he needs to be fixed, and this needs to be straightened out, and this thing needs to happen, and you pray, and you pray, and nothing. And a little bit of part of you, this little teeny bit inside your heart gets a little, a little mad. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. We just get this little teeny thing inside of you that's just a little mad at God. I mean, not mad enough to where you wouldn't lift your hands and sing worship songs. Not, not mad enough to where you wouldn't actually read your Bible and say, God bless you to somebody. But on the inside, there's this little bit, a little ticked off at God. Maybe that doesn't happen to you. But you prayed and you thought, God, I know this was your heart. I know this was your thing. And you feel like, not that he didn't answer, but that he said no. And that he didn't do what you thought he should do because you prayed and you said and you thought. And, and so a little bit of you got a little mad at God. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you find yourself in that place where you're just like, God, I thought we had something going on here. I thought this was like what you wanted. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. If that's you, first of all, let me just tell you this. You are among friends. Secondly, you're normal. Come on. And thirdly, I might have an answer or two for you today. Jesus, help us to hear what you have to say because we need to know some more about this thing called prayer because sometimes we, we just get mad when you don't see it our way. And because we're human, we don't know how to deal with it. So just help us to see what you see and pray what you want us to pray and believe what you want us to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, on Friday, we had this last of our three nights of prayer, of, of, of corporate prayer, right? 21 United. 
man, three amazing nights. Each of the Friday nights grew bigger and bigger. And uh, this last Friday was awesome. We had these stations all around the church where people could, could, could kind of pray in a reflective manner. Some places there were parchment for writing down prayers. Other places there was sand that people could write their prayer or their sin or whatever was in the sand and, and then wipe it clean just like Jesus did. Or uh, some other places there were uh, places to draw pictures or just to pray and lay hands for each other, have communion. One of the stations was a, what was a place where we asked people to take sticky notes and uh, adhere them to a pole, this pole right here. And really it was all about direction, that if there were directions that God was leading us into. And, and let me tell you this, if you get a minute to come read some of these prayers, some of these, these declarations, some of these statements, man, some of them are raw. God, I know you told me to leave that situation and go this way, and I choose to do that today. I mean, raw. Let me tell you this. If you want to see the heartbeat of your church, come and read some of these. And you watch some of the things that God's doing in your church with your people. Some of them are yours. And let me tell you this. If you have felt God leading you in some direction, in some way, come read them and find courage to know that you're not the only one. There's no names on them. You'll never know. But it's just your church. That's the idea, that we're all heading in the same direction. Believing God to lead us in the direction he's intending us to go. Amen. Amen. 21 United was awesome. I love what God's done. Let me help you real quickly. I do this every year, but I want to make sure you know it. As you finish up a fast, it's too easy to just turn back around and start doing what you weren't doing. Just like Ken was saying, it's easy to, to, to think like, well, okay, now we're going to start just watching TV all the time, or now I'm just going to go plow into all the Facebook responses I need to, or whatever it was, now I can just start eating like a horse, or whatever you got going, I don't know. But, but it's like all of that, right? And, and it's too easy just to return. Let me help you come off of a fast. This is something I feel like the Lord gave me a few years back. And I want to remind you, it's an acronym, L-I-V-E, LIVE. How do you start living after a fast? And here's what I wrote. The L stands for listen. First thing you need to do is listen to what it is that God has spoken to you. If you haven't carved out a few minutes to sit back down and say, God, what did you say? Do that. Live. So listen. I internalize. Right? In other words, start asking God, how do I apply this thing to my life that you've been talking to me about? How do I actually put into action this thing you're talking about? Listen, internalize, V, visualize. In other words, begin to create a plan. What's the plan now that you're going to start using to walk out? Maybe it was that maybe the plan was is now you're only going to look at Facebook during this time and this time, or I'm not going to do this thing, but I'm going to do that thing, or I'm going to delete that app from my phone and not do this because I'm not just going to redownload it or whatever it is you're going to do, right? So listen, in visual, uh, internalize, visualize, and number three, exercise, number four, exercise, right? E, exercise. In other words, after you visualize the plan, now start to say, how will I physically do this? On Thursdays, I'll do this. On Wednesdays, I'll do that. Whatever it is that I'll do, you need to start making a plan and, and then determine when you're going to put that plan into action. Because if all you have is a plan and you don't have any plan to actually put it into action, then it's just a really good idea. Right? But you got to decide, this is what will look like. Listen, internalize, visualize, exercise. Begin to walk it out. Amen? That was awesome. That was, I read that again today, and I was like, that was brilliant. Right? <laughs> Write that down. Get a tattoo or do something, right? Kim, that's for you. Here we go. I want to talk to you this morning as we're finishing up our series in prayer about restoring your belief in prayer. Restoring your belief in prayer. Because I have this, this uh, kind of feeling in my heart that there are some of us who've grown a little weary in prayer. 
I'm weary because we've prayed that prayer before. God, bring healing to that person. Lord, restore my marriage. God, fix that thing. Help me get the loan. Whatever it is, and we've prayed believing it was God's hand. And some of you have grown weary in prayer. Some of you have really even lodged a few resentment towards God in prayer. And as the result of this thing that didn't go the way that you thought it should go, you've come a little, a little mad at God. Again, not mad enough to stop you on the outside, but mad enough to stop you on the inside. And you feel a little bit like, God, I thought I was supposed to have a baby by now. I thought I was supposed to do this by now. I thought this was supposed to happen by now. And, and on the inside, you're like, God, I'm just frustrated. I just want you to know you're human. You're safe. It's okay. I think I have some answers that might help you understand a little bit more about that. If you have your Bibles, open it up to the book of Luke chapter 11. The book of Luke chapter 11. I love this, the book of Luke. Uh, Luke is a, a, a doctor, and that day he was a medical doctor. He was one who was, who, who was pretty specific and detailed, like every good doctor would be. He, he lays out a really good uh, position of what needs to happen and where he's going to go. And then like any good surgeon decides to just cut in deep with a knife, right? He's going to about, literally Luke is going to tell us what Jesus said about prayer. He's going to start to talk to us a little bit more about what prayer is, right? And, and, and Luke isn't just going to create a big bloody mess. Luke is going to say, this is the surgery that needs to be done. Then he's going to sew it up nicely and say, now do it. Now walk it out. Now remember, the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it was written by men, right? In other words, there were the Holy Spirit speaking into the heart of Luke, but it was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It, it, literally, Luke, you'll see in the heartbeat of Luke as you read this book, the detail, the book of Acts. He also wrote the book of Acts. You, you see detail and you see uh, specific things that, that, that somebody else might not catch. And it wasn't that they weren't inspired. It's that his, the personality of him showed up, right? Just like in, you read the book of John and you hear all about the love that John had for Jesus and Jesus had for John and the love that was, because John was, his, he was really given to the idea of this caring, loving relationship. It wasn't any different than Luke or Matthew, but it was just different. It was, his, it was his, his personality coming through the inspiration. Luke writes this, and I love this. Sometimes when you read your Bibles, sometimes when I read my Bible, I get frustrated at the chapter breakdowns. By the way, the chapters, the chapter 11, 10, 9, 8, the verses, verses 1, 2, 3, those, however, were not inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were put in there to help us, right? But the problem is, is I think sometimes they put the chapter in the wrong spot, I think, and this is one of those situations. I think if I were, again, because I'm so brilliant, right? If I, if I, I'd go back and I'd make chapter, you know, 10 end a little sooner, right? I would, I would make chap, the end of chapter 10 part of chapter 11 because it just makes sense to me, right? So in other words, Luke is writing about prayer and he just finishes talking about Mary and Martha. Now, Mary and Martha, we heard the story a few weeks ago about Mary sat while Martha served, right? Martha served all like crazy and Mary just sat at the feet of Jesus, Right? I think it has everything to do with this teaching on prayer that what Jesus was about to be doing, right? Here we go. I love this. By the way, when Jesus was approached, it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 41, it says, the Lord said to her, dear Martha, you are so upset over all these details. There is really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Remember, Martha served, Mary sat. Chapter 11 Go down to verse uh, 2. I love this. Jesus is being asked by the disciples how to pray. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. Here's what they didn't say. They didn't say, Jesus, teach us what to pray. 
In other words, they didn't come to Jesus and say, hey, give us something that we can just say mindlessly over and over and over and over again, and somehow that will make the eternal heaven of Jesus happy. He didn't do that. He said, listen, I'll teach you how to pray. This is what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, right? Now, it's written here in the book of Luke. There's also another account of it in Matthew that actually took place date and time-wise about three months before this moment up in Galilee. This is in, uh, in uh, Judea. So in the process of this whole journey, there's a second time. Jesus is reiterating the how to pray. Literally, Jesus is giving us a pattern. He's showing us a pattern on how to pray. This is what it says. Luke chapter 11, verse 2. He said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. Give us food day by day. Forgive our sins as we've forgiven those who've sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. I love this. Jesus gives them a pattern. He says five things. Again, if you don't get a chance to write these down, email Heather at the office and we'll send you these notes. But here are five things literally that Jesus says as a pattern to pray. First of all, he starts out with praise. He says, praise the Father in heaven. That's when he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praise, promote, promote his kingdom. They're all P's, by the way. P, number three, petition. Petition for personal needs. Give us this day what we need. Four, pardon. Pardon us from sin. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And five, protection. Deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. So praise, promote, petition, pardon, and protect. I love this. I'm going fast because I want to get to this next section. This is the part on prayer that many preachers skip. This is a lot of part on prayer that many preachers just kind of go like, eh, a little weird. I think we'll move on. Let's just talk about the pattern for prayer. Then we go home. Amen? That's what typically what happens. But I'm just a little weird. I'm, I'm enough to say like, hey, if it's in the Bible, it's worth talking about. And if it's in there, we should probably like dig it out and try to understand it a little bit. So let's go ahead and do that. Here we go. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. It says this. Then... Teaching them more about prayer. Love that, because there must be more than this pattern. Teaching them more about prayer, he used an illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You'd say to him, a friend of mine has arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. He would call out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door's locked for the night. We're all in bed. I can't help you this time. But I tell you this, though he won't do it as a friend, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you what you want so his reputation won't be damaged. So I tell you, keep on asking and you'll be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you'll find it. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and the door will be open to everyone who knocks. Your fathers, you fathers, if you... If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit for those who ask him? I love this. Luke is talking to us about prayer. Luke is talking to us about prayer, and as he's telling us about prayer, he, he finishes the pattern of prayer that fits on a nice little three-by-five card that you can stick in your bathroom. But then, but then he goes on a little further and he says, hey, 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 anything, you just keep on asking, you just keep on knocking, you just keep on seeking, whatever, it'll happen. 
It's weird because you don't, you, you don't talk about this much because there's so many of us who have sought the heart of God. We prayed hard. We, we did what we thought we should do, and God didn't answer the way we thought he should answer. Almost basically feels like God just said no. So then you ask again, and you ask again, and you ask again, and eventually you badger him enough to change his mind. Is that the idea? Is that the teaching here today? No, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more to why it is that God says uh-uh to something that we think is the uh-huh. Write that down. There's got to be something that God has for us in this journey in our prayer life and trying to figure it out. Listen, if you walk away with one thing today, I want you to walk away with this. The essence of prayer. I'm going to tell you the essence of prayer. The essence of prayer assumes relationship. The essence of prayer assumes relationship. Listen, outside the context of relationship, Prayer is nothing more than going to the mall and sitting on Santa's lap or taking a bottle and rubbing it, hoping the genie comes out. Outside the context of relationship, prayer is just a wishful obligation. Outside the context of relationship, all we have is, come on, God, do what I told you to do. Grant me my three wishes. See, we don't say it like that because that's so rude. That's so brash. That's so... That's so unloving. See, but inside the context of relationship, inside the context of relationship, there's room for no. See, outside the context of relationship, there's no room for no. Because if there's, if there, if outside the context of relationship, there's no room for no, right? Because relationship demands, it says that there's love, right? If there's relationship, there's love. And love always leaves room for no. Because if, you don't, if there's no room for no in your relationship, you don't got a relationship. you got an agreement. If there's no room for no, you don't have a relationship because no doesn't come because I'm mad at you. No sometimes comes because it's not time for you. No sometimes comes because you're not ready to receive that no. You're not ready to receive that yes or whatever it is. When uh, Polly and I brought our son home from the hospital, so we were new parents trying to figure this thing out. You know, there's a little human that looks like her and me, and we're trying to figure out, like, what do you do now? And, you know, he could do a couple things really well, right? Eat, sleep, and poop. I mean, and, and that's it. I mean, he could pee, too, but, but beyond that, there wasn't much. Eat, sleep, and sometimes he was better at one than the other, right? But, but that was it. He gets a little older, and my son, you know, the thing is, is I realize this, this, this super needy little human is, is, is around our house now. He has my last name. He looks like us, kind of, but, but there's this moment where I'm like, ah, now, now he turns to be six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and, and his whole world becomes about him. It's all about him. Dad, I need. Dad, I want. Dad, can you please? Dad, what about? Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Dad, 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 dad. You've heard that. Come on, Dad, don't you know? I need to. Can I go there? Can I have this? Can I do this? Can I do that? And, and most of the time, I'm like, dude, no, 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 no. We're not going to do this. Uh-uh, not time. No, 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 no. And there are times, and Polly's like, you're always saying no. <laughs> and I remember, right, this, the funny irony was, it's like his whole world was just about him and his opinion and his perspective and his time and his thing. See, our relationship wasn't much of a relationship to the degree that it was all just one direction. Here's the funny thing. My son's a grown man now. He's 25 He's a filmmaker, lives in New York with his lovely bride. Man, he's amazing. Here's the crazy thing about my son. He's 25 and he calls me now and he doesn't tell me about himself. All he wants to know is about me. 
Dad, tell me, what's going on with you? Tell me about the church, what's going on? What are you teaching on, Dad? Tell me what you got going. Tell me, tell me about, he, he, he and his wife and, and my, uh, my siblings, they all got together, all the siblings, his brother and sisters. Um, all, or, I'm sorry, he doesn't have a brother. His sisters. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, anyway, so they all got together and they bought me a smoker for my birthday, right? So smoking meat. So he happened to buy one for himself. So he wants to call and talk about smoking meat. He's just like, Dad, you got to do this. I said, well, I don't really know how to do it, man, but I'm trying to learn. And so I was watching the YouTube video and blah, blah. He goes, tomorrow for the Super Bowl, I'm going to smoke pork butt, right? Which is really not butt of a pork, by the way. It's just the shoulder, I think. But nevertheless, he's going to smoke this thing. And so he lives in New York City. And the place he lives in New York City is like the Jewish sector, right? So <laughs> Jewish. And so he said, Dad, there's this awesome deli that has this amazing meat. So I'm going to go down there and get some pork. And I said, yeah, so I, don't do that. <laughs> I said, like, Jewish people, like, don't do, don't do pork. You know, so for the record, you might offend them. And so he's like, you're crazy. They eat, they eat meat. And I was like, yeah, wrong kind of meat. Funny, right? So nevertheless, my son and I have this relationship now where it's like, Dad, I just want to know about you. And I'm always pushing it away. And I'm like, no, no tell me about you. And now we have this dialogue. Now we have this have this relationship. Almost never do we say no to each other because there's this level of respect and honor. If my son were to say to me, dad, can I come on a this day and do that thing? I don't care what in the world is going on. The answer is going to be yes. And I'll cancel whatever I got because it's my boy. I don't know how you are. But you know, if I were to go to New York right now, you know what my son would do? He'd cancel a trip because he knew I was coming. I know him. There used to be like that. See, because a relationship evolved from, a, from a, an immature relationship to a mature relationship. I can't wait to see what happens as we grow older. I remember one time when he was about 12, I knew he wanted, for his birthday, he wanted a bicycle. He already had a bike, and, and, and I didn't think he needed another one, but a kid down the road, kid down the block had a new one, and it was the cool one. It had all the thingies and all the stuff, and he wanted that bike because that was the bike he needed and wanted, and Jesus told him he was supposed to get it, Right? And the whole deal. Now, my son was all about music at the time. Played, sang on the worship team. I mean, the guy, he, he could eat, drink, breathe music. I mean, it was all his thing. Music and football. Apple did not fall far from that tree. I'll tell you what. And, and he absolutely loved music like crazy. The thing about my son is that I knew, I knew that this gift that he would really want. I knew that the bike he would outgrow and it wouldn't be long before he crashed and all that. But I knew there was a gift I wanted to get him that, that I knew that if, if, he, if he really understood this gift that I had for him, he would be so blessed. So I bought him this, uh, I think it was an eight-track recorder where you could record, lay down tracks on top of other tracks. And so you could play a guitar track and then you could record a vocal track and then a drum track. And I, I knew he would dig it, man, because that was kind of his world at the time. So it was July, middle hot. There's a bunch of teenage boys running around our backyard making a loud, crazy, chaotic mess. And it's time for opening up gifts, right? So I'm like, I cannot wait to hand him this little miniature recording studio thing, right? So I walked up, and it was the last, because it's the dad. It's the last gift, right? I'm like, son, <laughs> hand it to him, right? And he's just like, <sighs> thanks. I read his face, man. He's like, dude, I hate this. Where's the bike? And he's like, Looking around, like, I know it's in the closet somewhere, right? I mean, looking around, wasn't in the closet. I got him that. I could tell, man. He, my son's kind enough not to say, Dad, I hate this, and push it away. But you know, you're, you know, you can read your kids, right? I'm like, in my heart, I kept thinking, he doesn't get it because he's going to love this. So it was two years later, 
looking for my son one evening. His bedroom, we built a room out in the garage. And, and I remember looking for him, couldn't find him, went out to the garage, and I, 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 I hear some thumping around back in there. So I look, open his door, and he's tapping out something with his fingers. And I go, what are you doing? He's like, this thing is awesome. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, Dad, are you kidding me? I can record this and do that. Listen, listen to this. And so I'm listening to him. His eyes are bulging. And he's just like, listen to this. Listen to this. And I looked at him and I was like, wow, that was beautiful. In my heart, I'm thinking, isn't it funny? I knew what you wanted more than you did. And my no made you so mad. How many of us have prayed to Jesus? And we just knew. <laughs> we just knew that that job was it. We just knew that that house was it. We just knew that the healing was it. We just knew that the timing, we knew, we knew, we knew. And God said no. Maybe for two years, you're a little mad. See, I don't know where you are. I, I read this story and I see this guy coming up to his neighbor and saying, hey, look, I have a friend who showed up from a faraway trip and he's hungry. By the way, he didn't come saying, um, my friend came and his arm is bleeding. He didn't come and say, ah, his wife's pregnant. We need to help her out. Here's all he said. It's midnight. My friend's hungry. Right? He wants a midnight snack. Right? That's it. was it. And so he's like, hey, look, not a chance, not a chance. But it's interesting because it literally says, keep on knocking, keep on asking. And eventually, because of the guy doesn't want to. What does that mean to you and me? See, listen, I don't think that God needs to be badgered into your way. I don't think this has anything to do with us badgering God into communicating, see, by now you'll get my point. I think when we pray and things don't go the way that we think they should go, we go back to prayer. Why? There's something about the persistence of prayer that changes you. It changes you. I don't know what else it is. that He's the God who makes plans that doesn't change. I mean, but, but we change. There's something that changes in our hearts as well as we, as we come back to the Lord. God, don't you get it? I got to figure this out. Come on, just help me, just help me, just help me. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, I get it. Polly and I, are, we've just moved into this house that we bought. But I'll level with you. There were two others I knew were from Jesus. <laughs> Confessing it. I did. I laid hands on that, those other houses I said, Jesus, I commit this to you. This is your hand, but literally my house, right? And <laughs> those houses have now been committed to Jesus and somebody else's property. I don't know, <laughs> but they're not mine. I prayed. And I said, Jesus, I think this is from you, man. It all makes sense. And at the end of the day, he said, no, no. That wasn't my plan, Lance. Just keep on praying because what I got for you is gonna blow you away. And I can tell you right now today, Polly and I were just at home last night putting stuff, more stuff away. And, and she looked at me and she goes, this is it, Lance. This is it. This is the one God been saving for us. Wasn't the one I planned. But I can tell you, see, if there's no room in relationship for no, then all you have is this weird obligatory agreement on your side and on your terms. See, no allows itself to show in love. See, without the ability to say no, you can't even have love. All you have is this genie in the bottle or the Santa at the mall. 
saying, you need to, you need to, you need to. See, the more I go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I don't get it. I, I want you to help me with this. I'm, I'm praying for her healing. And, and I don't see it happening, Jesus, but come on, come on, bring healing. And next thing you know, by me doing that, I begin to get his heart for healing. I begin to get his, his passion for that person. Next thing you know, I'm like, oh, God, you, I, ah. And God changes me in the midst of it. I don't know how that works. So keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking so that I get my way. No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and watch God change everything. Because the essence of prayer assumes relationship. And minus relationship, all we have is this obligatory agreement from you. See, God's about relationship. When my son finally looked at that thing and he says, man, Dad, you knew me better than I knew myself. You knew I would love this thing. I was so mad at you. Some of you here this morning are so mad at God because the thing didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. You committed your ways to God. You did all the things you were supposed to, and at some level, and I'll tell you this, if you haven't thought that, you're not human. It's normal to think that way. It's not easy to just sit up here mature and rationalize and say, you know what, that's just the will of God. I guess I'll live with it. It's okay, man. God gets it. God gets you coming to him and saying, I don't understand this. I love it when he says, come to me, all you are weary and carry heavy burdens. You know what that sounds like to me? Come just like you are, mad like a wet hen and everything. He doesn't say come when everything's going well. He says, come just like you are, but come, come to me. Problem is, is so many of us just think, God, you didn't do it my way, therefore I'm a little mad at you. Our biggest problem with prayer is not answered our way is that we forget the relationship always makes room for no. At the end of this passage, it's interesting. It says that, let me read it this way. I don't know if I have the passages on the screen. I don't believe I do, but it says it this way. It says, but I tell you in Luke chapter 11, verse eight, but I tell you this, though he won't do this as a friend, but if you keep on knocking long enough, he will get up and give you so his reputation won't be damaged. Now remember, Jesus is using this as an illustration. It's not a specific issue. It's not a real life story. He's telling a parable. Then he says, there's a guy. It says, um, if you keep on locking, knocking long enough, in the same passage in a different translation, it said this in, in the NIV. It says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of his friendship, yet he will because of your shameless audacity. Hmm. In the American Standard Version, it says this, I say unto you, though he will not rise and, and give him because he is your friend, yet because of your importunity, he will arise and give you what you need. Importunity. I never heard that word before. I've heard of opportunity, but I've never heard of importunity. Opportunity is like you have this moment, this window, and you get to jump into it because it's going to somehow benefit you. Importunity is like opportunity on steroids. Importunity is this Greek, it's an English word, but it's actually describing this Greek understanding of a belief beyond belief that I know it's possible for me to this thing. Because they, they, here's the thing, that one neighbor knew that the other neighbor had some bread. And one neighbor knew that the other neighbor was usually a giver of bread or giver of things. Remember it said that one passage, it said in verse 7 of chapter 11, it said, I can't help you this time. Translation, he must have helped him some other time. You see, importunity means we come before Jesus and we say, God, listen, I know you want to bring healing to my son. And so, Lord, I pray for the healing in my son. I pray that you bring him back to you. I pray that, Lord, I pray. 
The next thing, and, and it doesn't happen tomorrow. It doesn't happen the next day. It doesn't happen even the next day. And we're like, Jesus, I just pray that this would happen. And, and I'm going to come to you as if I know that I know this is your plan. I know it's your plan. You want my son to get saved or daughter or aunt or wife or whatever. I know that you want that, God, so I'm going to pray that it to happen. I'm going to pray earnestly. I'm going to pray importunistically. Because I know that you want this and I want this. And so Jesus, bring it. That's a prayer. How often are you going to knock on that door? A bunch. How often are you going to seek that out? I hope a lot. Some of you here today are a little mad at God. Not a lot, but there's just enough. Enough to kind of cause you to walk with a little bit of a limp. And it's been bugging you. Because that thing didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. I can tell you this. God loves you. He brought you here to tell you that he wants your relationship restored. And maybe that's the thing that's been getting in the way of your relationship. It's been standing in the way because it keeps on just, just enough to where you're like, God, I love you, but God, I need you. However, there's just a little bit of something in there. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about the, the foxes that ruin the vineyard. The foxes, they just nibble away at the roots, just a little, just enough to ruin the whole vineyard. Foxes don't eat up all the grapes. They just eat at the roots a little bit at a time. And I'm saying to you, somewhere in your life, there's a fox that's been eating the roots. And it's just nibbling away one, one branch at a time. And eventually begin to erode your relationship. Because prayer without relationship erodes your walk with God. It turns into some sort of just the prayer list. So maybe that's you this morning and you want to reconnect and re-engage. Can we ask Jesus that this morning? Jesus, this morning we come and we thank you for your grace. Thank you for grace to learn. I know that there are men and women in here today or even the ones that are listening to us online, God, who have gotten a little frustrated and maybe even angry, maybe even perhaps climbing into sin in the area of their life towards you. If that's you this morning, why don't you get right with Jesus by saying, forgive me. Just say, Jesus, you know what? You got me. I've been a little ticked. If that's you, just say, Jesus, forgive me. And this morning I pray for my friend, God, that at some level there would be this moment where you would restore unto them the joy of their salvation. And God, their relationship would be that which fosters prayer. Not some sort of a list in hopes that you'll just grant a request. Lord, I pray that you stir our hearts to passionate prayer, to persistent prayer, to, to, to pursuing you with all that we are kind of prayer. Change us, God. Do the things that you know need to be done. We want to trust you. We need you a bunch. In Jesus' name. Amen.